Don't forget, we have Oklahoma State basketball tonight here on the Blitz. Pre-game coverage at 6 o'clock. Tip-off from Gallagher-Iba Arena at 7. Oklahoma State hosting UCF for the first time in conference play. I'm Colby Daniels along with Jeremy Poplin and Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Thunder beat the Rockets last night, gentlemen. They remain tied for first place with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And a team that we talked about yesterday, I think there's so much to like about this team. And as I, you know, watched them play in front of my eyes last night, like, I'm just ready to see them in a, a postseason setting, right? Like, I don't know how much more about this team in regular season games. I don't know how much more we can really learn. I think we're at the stage where we're going to have to see them play against really good competition in a seven-game series where your weaknesses are going to be leaned on, right, and picked apart, and and you're going to have to overcome some of those weaknesses and vice versa. And, you know, I, I think for a team that is as talented as they are, and I think from a talent standpoint has the chance to match up with anybody in the Western Conference, you just have no idea how they're going to respond in a postseason series when it's just a different game. How so? That was your first game so far this season. Is that what you said yesterday? I believe that's right. Yeah. That's so, right. what is the compared to how it was before when they were really good? And maybe it's unfair, but what is the energy level like, and what's the feel inside the building like compared to when you used to cover them on a regular basis? I think last night is it's a little bit unfair simply because it's a nine, 9 p.m. start on a Tuesday night, <laughs> so you don't have the place just jam packed, every seat filled, right? And it's not just at a fever pitch in terms of of the crowd noise, but I think just in terms of like the positive energy inside the building, I think it's very comparable. I mean, I think the people that were in there were as invested in in what they're watching. And, and consuming the product in the same way that I think we were witnessing when Katie and Russ and, and that crew were making their runs. Okay. I'd always wondered that if it did have that joyous uh, feel. But, and by the way, joyous, I felt at a certain time, and I don't know when this was, and every fan base goes through this, so I'm not trying to single any any fan base out, but early stages joyous then almost went to like entitled feeling almost inside of the building with the way that yeah, they played yeah, on, on a regular right. basis. So I'm always intrigued if, if it had kind of the joyous occasion to it last night of what we're watching is just a ton of fun with one of the youngest teams in the league. One of the youngest teams in the league that has, I think multiple stars, right? I mean, Shea is clearly the superstar, but they have other star caliber players and I think the brand of basketball they play, it's not just, you know, ISO over and over and over. And I, like they play, I think the kind of basketball that is very pleasing to watch and that makes it fun. And as we talked about yesterday, it's, it's a group of young guys that aren't jaded by the business aspect of the league. It's also a bunch of young guys who, you know, maybe didn't come into the league 
with some sort of like, I'm going to be the greatest player ever bravado. And, and they, they don't act like they're too cool for everything they're going through. Right. It's a, it's a bunch of guys that kind of, I think embrace what this ride currently is and seem to be having a lot of fun with it. So I thought giddy last night, I thought had a, uh, a pretty solid game for him. Uh, what did he end up with last night? Like 14 points, I think, and seven boards and had four assists. I was trying to think, like, when I watch them and see if this makes any sense at all, because I think that we have all been familiar with a few guys that would fall into this category. And I'm not trying to say that Giddy is it. I'm just trying to make a point of I don't know if there's a whole lot of Thunder players that that fit here or not. You know how a guy might average a certain amount of points, say it's like 15, 16, 17 a game, and yet you still feel like that it's uh, almost like empty calories? And someone's definition of really yeah, good yeah, player might mean. might be yeah. the fact that they they do average say like fifteen a night or sixteen a night, but at the end of the season you go back and you start putting together things. You're like, I still don't really know like what level and quality of NBA player that it is, even if he is averaged like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen points. I think there's been a lot of guys that have, that have been like that in the league. Uh, you know, a couple of guys that kind of got that. Uh, that tag put on them outside of just being an awful human being like PJ Washington, when he got traded from Dallas to Washington, but like Daniel Gafford kind of got that in uh, that label in, in Washington. And I was seeing how that would translate over to Dallas. I don't think there's many of those guys that I've seen so far on this thunder team. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, if anybody is going to be considered that it's probably giddy, right? Like- Maybe. Maybe I, 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 his, I think a lot of his points come in, in transition or, you know, as a result maybe of, of, uh, the defense having to crash on one of the star caliber players, which opens the door for Josh Giddy. But I mean, to your point, uh, what are his postseason scoring numbers going to look like? I I would imagine they look drastically different. Mm-hmm. than the regular season. He's also the type of guy, because of some of the the shooting deficiencies, that you know, in the final minutes of playoff games, is he even going to be on the floor? I mean, I, I He's I also would, a guy that's kind of going through a transition guess, period, too. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he he's, he's good at so many things. I think that he just kind of gives you a lot of versatility and you can plug and play him in a lot of different places throughout the course of a game. But I don't know that he would be maybe considered part of the like core must have building blocks. I'm with you on that. I, I do think though that right now in the transition period, because of moves that they made plus two, I mean, if I kind of had hanging over me what was hanging over Oklahoma City that not a lot of people talked about after it initially came out, mainly because the organization did their homework and said, we're standing by this guy with the accusations that were thrown out or lack of people that were willing to help on the investigation. 
maybe in another part of the country. Um, that's just a lot to hang over someone's head. And I, I do think there were times course, where, yeah. where it showed that that was quite a bit. And then the organization as a whole standing by him, also I think understanding what you just said, that foundational piece maybe not going to be the case at all. And at some point maybe we do – try to come up with something different. So they make this trade for Hayward. And the first question we ask is, all right, so how does this impact minutes for certain players? And I think right now, transitionally, in the low amount of playing time that he's received, I think a performance like that probably goes a little further with him trying to solidify himself, whether it be in this, well, trying to stay in the starting lineup or if the team decides to move him to a bench role or not. I think you I think he's a starter for sure. The question I think really is is he a closer? I mean I think that you can say that he's he's one of your best five players while also understanding that where his weakness specifically is can especially hurt you in the closing minutes of a game when, you know, I think possessions become incredibly valuable and, you know, I think you you even lean more on trying to expose weaknesses. So you know, both of those things can be true. I think he can be one of their best five players and maybe also not be one of your best five closing options. But, you know, matchups will, will obviously go a long way in terms of, of deciding if he's that guy or not. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of a guy that is going to, you know, I think he's going to make a lot of other players better because of his ability to to pass the ball and see the court and his size and, you know, the kind of matchup problem he can be. Uh, throughout the course of a game, but when you start counting possessions and and it gets to, you know, that slowed down version of half court basketball in the playoffs, where you know physicality ramps up and everybody knows, you know, what what you're taking away and what you're going to give the other team. You know, he might be the the odd guy out in that scenario, but yeah, I thought he played well. They it seemed like they made it a point to get him going early last night. I don't remember what his his scoring total was. I think he may have scored like six of the first eight or eight of the first ten of their points, and they got him going early. And to that point, I mean Shea, I, I don't I don't I don't know if Shea took more than one shot in the first quarter. Maybe he took two, but I mean he really played off the ball early, and and didn't touch the ball very much in the first quarter. And I mean the second quarter starts and and he becomes the ball dominant player on the floor. And I mean, he just goes into Shea mode and he still ends the night with, with 31 points, which is incredible, but yeah, they just, they, they have the ability to, I think just give you so many looks because Shea can play on the ball and Jalen Williams can play on the ball and Josh Giddy can play on the ball. And just what those guys all offer both on the ball and off the ball is, is pretty incredible. 43rd game this season of third year or more for Shea and it's turned into a point now when you watch him you just you know that switch that flips in your brain mentally when you're watching a truly great player that you just expect them on a night-to-night basis like it's almost like every shot that he takes you're like all right that's in like or he's making that I mean he made he made one from the corner from the baseline that was just an unbelievable shot and you're like, yeah, you know what? That's Shea, and it's 
that has now flipped over into my brain about what my expectation levels are with him when he has the ball in his hands now. Like there, it doesn't seem like that there's anything that's off limits with with Shea and his level of play. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I, he's uh, I think I think he and Jalen Williams both are are so assertive in terms of their own game and taking what a defense gives them and feeling like despite them, the, the team as a whole playing that really fun brand of basketball with ball movement and sharing the ball and nobody has to be the hero. I think both of those guys are so assertive with their own game and, and knowing when to call their number because the matchup dictates that, that you're going to beat your defender or there's a mismatch. And there were different moments in the game where I think you saw Shea and Jalen Williams just say, it's, it's my turn and go get buckets. Right. And easy buckets. Like you just feel like they, this could happen all night. And as soon as, as Houston made a, a change, then I think the thunder understood that and adjusted well, but yeah, the, the assertiveness I think in both Shea's game and, and Jalen Williams game is, is very fun to watch. And, and, Chet, I think, in just watching him closer as opposed to, like, watching him on the screen where maybe you don't get a great view of, of you know, what he's doing when he's not the one that's the focal point of, of the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he plays more physical and more assertive seeing him in person and watching him more, you know, off the ball than than maybe what you see on TV. So Yeah, I'm glad you brought uh, that up because I was going to ask you about that, your yeah. initial thought of him seeing him for the first time in person. Yeah, I mean, he was he was really impressive. And, again, I don't think, like, last night he did anything, like, other than the, the reverse alley-oop, which was pretty nice. Uh, he didn't do anything that just, like, you know, it's not like he scored 40 or, or did anything like that necessarily, but – yeah, it was just all the little things over the course of the game in watching him and just kind of like observing um, how how aggressive he was with his length and, and his height and all of that. Yeah, he's he's definitely, I think, more um, more assertive and and definitely a little bit more physical than than I would have guessed, having not seen him, you know, up close and personal outside of just the, the television broadcasts. Hey, we had a Jeff Green sighting last night, too, huh? How about that? Jeff Green is 37 now. <laughs> He's... I legit didn't realize that Jeff Green was on the Rockets, and I was like, <laughs> who is Green? Yeah, Jeff. looks old. Yes. And then I realized, oh, that's Jeff Green. Uh-huh. Should kind of give you a, Hilarious. A, an idea about just where the Rockets are right now in terms of <laughs> roster and everything else. There's a reason why they're 25 and 33 because Jeff Green is also the fact on the that roster. he was kind of the co-building block originally, right? Yes, he was. With KD, like they came in in that same class, and those were the two guys that originally the Sonics turned Thunder were going to build around. That's pretty wild. I just looked it up to that point that you brought up about Shea. So he did not have hardly anything until five minutes. He got his first basket, five minutes to go in the first quarter. And then you look up, and by the end of the quarter, he had he already had 10 points. Like, he didn't do hardly anything through the majority of the first quarter, and then just, boom, it comes out of nowhere, and there's there's 10 points. Okay, so that run he had was at the end of the first quarter? At the end of the first quarter, yeah. 
Okay, I was I was thinking that was the second quarter, but yeah, like he didn't he he played off the ball and barely even touched the ball offensively for the first, I don't know how it felt like an entire quarter, but as soon as he really got on the ball, like it, the offense obviously just just happened really really fast. Yep, no doubt. And easy, right? With him everything looks kind of easy. It did. You know, the Thunder win last night nationally was kind of overshadowed by one thing in the NBA last night. Scott, bring up uh, my internet. Here's the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers radio call of the second longest game winner in NBA history last night. Leave it to inbound, just to the left of the Cavs bench. All we need is a deflection. Pass deflected by Mobley, but grabbed by Doncic. Doncic bounced underneath the PJ, and he laid it in with 2.6 to go. Cavs out of timeout. Struess into Mobley. Back to Max. Half court shot. Good. Good. He hit it. Cavs win. This place is going crazy. Yeah. Max Struess last night, the second longest game winner in NBA history. What an incredible shot that was last night. Um, do you know what the longest one in NBA history is? It involves the Oklahoma City Thunder. Scott, bring it back up. Here's what it sounded like. For the Cavaliers. Didn't get him. And give Shea Gilgis Alexander credit as Devontae sends it. Oh! Gets it! Gets it! The game winner! Oh, wow! Devontae Graham stuns him in Oklahoma City. Just how you drew it up. After the Pels were shocked by Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. That was, I'm trying to remember what year that was where Devontae Graham hits that one that is, uh, I'm trying to remember, like 60-something-plus feet for the game winner there in Oklahoma City. Hey, and if you're ever wondering what happened to old Fox Sports Southwest voice Joel Myers, there you go. He is uh, calling games for the <laughs> Pelicans <laughs> there in New Orleans on on Bally's. So there is that. Maybe the, the funniest moment of the game was during a timeout, our uh, our friends at News 9 and OKC and, and their chief meteorologist, David Payne, appear on the Jumbotron, and he is giving the weather update, right? And he immediately says, like, major drop in temperatures, and the entire arena just starts raining down booze <laughs> after the words, you know, major drop in temperatures, which would just kind of, like, was hilarious, right? Everybody's like loved this nice weather we've been having and and in the middle of a thunder game we get a weather update with the temperature dropping to which nobody was happy. So how cold was it when you when you came out last night? It was unpleasant to yeah. say the least. Oh boy was it. I mean, the fact that it's the fact that it's like 30, I don't know what it was. I think it was like 38 degrees, but the wind is blowing like 38 miles an hour. I mean, I, I had to hold on to my hat walking to the car. It was shocking when it moved through here. The amount of noise that it created. Yeah. Scott, you heard it when it moved through. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like quiet, quiet, and the next sudden, all the, like everything. Like the entire house, I think, creaked at one time yep. with the massive wall of wind that hit it. I'm like, good Lord, they weren't lying when that thing moved through. And of course, the dogs got to go out after that. I thought it was like, raining uh, at one point. If I, I did too. It was so loud, it was so loud that I, 
open the door just to take a peek to make sure that that wasn't rain that was involved with it. Yeah, that that was just debris, like just the tiny particles of dirt and dust and rock and everything that the wind was carrying. (sighs) Don't even get me started on that. I spent all Sunday afternoon picking up sticks and just winter debris out of the yard. And what happens when I walk out this morning? Boom! More stupid debris. I am I'm to the point where I want to chop down every tree that's in my yard. I am done with it. <laughs> I, just, I want to be done with all trees. <laughs> I, no, I'm done. Pine cones, everything. Like, let's just get rid of them all. Have to stop picking up acorns, man. The acorns. If you want, by the way, if anyone's looking for acorns, I got like two thousand pounds of acorns that are available for you right now. <laughs> You know what? I'll even offer my services to come help shovel them up out of the yard if you whatever you are going to do with them. I, I don't know. That's that's on you. They're Just everywhere. take them out yeah. of the yard, please. Well, that's 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 the you NBA experience well. from last night. There you go. All right, we've got to take a time out. Are we uh, are, are we being graced by Chris Plank's We presence? are. The Plankster will be joining next, us or next. Is that later no, that'll show. be joining us next here on the All Blitz. All right, Chris Plank. Talking OU softball coming up next right here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.